This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Coming up on today's future award-winning Talk of Buffalo podcast, I'm going to have recurring guest, good buddy of mine, Aaron Quinn from Cover One Buffalo. Got a ton to talk about today. Buffalo Bills, Tennessee Titans, what in the world is going on? Tennessee is completely screwing the NFL up right now. We'll talk about that, how, what happens this weekend may or may not hurt or help the Buffalo Bills. Tons of stuff about that. Um, Also, Matt Perino, my guy, Matt Perino from NewYorkUp.com, Buffalo Bills beat reporter, Put out on Twitter something this week that absolutely fascinated me. It was a poll, a completely hypothetical fantasy trade. Something that we all know is never going to happen, but just something that would be fun to talk about at the water cooler. So Matt put up a poll and he said, if you're a Buffalo Bills fan, would you trade Josh Allen, Trey White, and Tremaine Edmonds all for Patrick Mahomes? Nearly 10,000 people voted The results, I think anyway, pretty insane. Aaron and I have some very strong opinions on that. We'll talk about some other stuff around the NFL. Also, a new segment, what I have Aaron on. Something non-sports, actually. Aaron Quinn is a big 90s R&B guy, just like I am. And he loves Mary J. Blige. He was tweeting about that earlier this week. And we're going to have a discussion. We're going to power rank modern era Female R&B singers, where does Mary J land on this? We'll find out. Plenty more coming up with my boy Aaron Quinn in just a couple of minutes. Before that, though, I need to let you know that today's show is being supported by our friends at 26 Shirts. So at 26 Shirts, a different Buffalo theme design is sold every two weeks. They roll out a shirt, they sell it for two weeks, and then that shirt is gone. They do so many good things, but here's the best part, folks. Every single time they sell a shirt, every shirt, a donation is made to that specific campaign or to a charity each and every time. Since they opened up their doors in 2013, their designs have managed to raise and donate like around $900,000. Just absurd. My guy, Del Reed. His crew there, they do such an amazing job. They enrich the lives of so many people. They touch so many people in a positive way. It's awesome to see. And as a consumer, and this is worth mentioning, by the way, these are really cool looking, outstanding design shirts, man. They're comfortable. They're sporty. They look great on you. I have a bunch of them myself. Do yourself a big favor. Head on over to 26shirts.com. Gear yourself up. And most importantly, see what cause needs you this week. All right, 
now. On that note, let's do it. All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? What's up? Episode 260, Talk About Flow Podcast. Thank you, everyone out there, as always, for listening, downloading the show. It means a lot to me. Gonna waste much time here, man. Got a lot to get into today. Got my good buddy, recurring guest, cover one Buffalo, my man, Aaron Quinn. What's going on, my guy? How you doing? What's happening, man? Crazy week, but uh, hanging in there. It definitely is a crazy week, man. And obviously, I know you're mainly hitting on Buffalo Bills, Tennessee Titans stuff. And we're going to get to that in just a few minutes. Kind of a loose episode today, man. We're going to hit on some stuff that maybe we don't spend a lot of time talking about. But right off the bat here, I I got something that I want to spend a few minutes talking about because maybe you can't relate to it yet, but I know you're going to someday. And a lot of people listening, I think maybe they can now. And that's just, you know, Aaron, how you always hear the term life comes at you fast. Life goes by so quick. Well, I'm really experiencing that this week. Now you have two young kids. Yes. And right now, the only thing that they do is they're cute. You know what I mean? That's their accomplishment (laughs) at this point in life. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're looking cute and That's cool because they're, again, they're basically babies in a way. Well, this week I've been really sentimental because my son is a senior in high school and it is senior night. Now we're taping this late Thursday night. Most people are listening to this on Friday. So tonight, if you're listening Friday, tonight is my son's senior night. And I tell you, bro, I've really been spending a lot of time this whole week just kind of taking a trip down memory lane and, and, and reminiscing and just marveling at how fast the time goes because I literally remember it, man. Like it was, like it was yesterday, six years old. My son started playing little loop football in Lackawanna. He was six years old and I'll never forget the day. Now people always say, I remember the first practice my kid ever had. I do. I legitimately do remember it. He was six years old, Lackawanna, little loop six to eight-year-old kids, the Mustangs, and I was horrified to bring him there. I, I didn't know if he was going to be big enough. Now, he was playing t-ball, baseball already at five, and I always wanted to play football. I just thought that might be too young. And in today's, you know what? That was a long time ago because maybe in today's age, that is too young with all the head injuries and shit going on. But anyway, I, I remember it because I was scared that he was going to be too small. And then I remember the coach talking to us and saying, you know, don't worry about that. We're going to match him up against kids his size. He's not going to have to go up against the biggest, biggest kid. Anyway, that was when he was six and he spent five years in Lackawanna Little Loop. And then we moved to West Seneca and he spent a year in playing West Seneca Little Loop, which was fantastic. And then he played middle school football for a year. He played West Side football Little Loop for one year. And then, of course, we moved down to Florida before eighth grade, played one year of Little Loop down here. Then he was a freshman on the freshman team, had a cup of coffee with JV, and they got called up to varsity as a sophomore. Now he's a senior. It just, it goes by so fast, dude. And you look at your kids now, especially somebody like yourself who's got such young kids, and you know, you think it's going to last for forever. And it, re- it just, I think when you have kids and you see them growing, especially in sports, you know, sports is something that you and I can relate to an awful lot. 
And it's just, it's just a blink of an eye, dude. And, and it's just gone. It seems like it's just crazy to me, man. It's been really a, a sentimental week for me for that reason. I'm sure it is. I mean, I think I'm a lot like you in the, uh, I think we both enjoy nostalgia a little bit in the way that nostalgia sure. makes us feel. And so when you're that type of person, then you have something like this in your life. I can see how that becomes more of a reminiscent. I mean, dude, I used to scoff at everybody right before we had kids and my neighbor, who's an older gentleman, his kids are our age, my age, um, would say, man, it's going to fly by, you know, watch it. And even in the, I mean, my oldest is going to be five this year. And so it's only been five years, but that flew by like in the blink of an eye. So I can't even imagine, you know, and he keeps telling me, I tell him, oh man, it's flying by. He's like, dude, he's going to be in a car before you know it. Like, it only goes faster. They start getting into more things and the more things they're doing, it just flies by even quicker. Uh, so I'm aware of it and trying to hold on to every single moment I can, because it is just slipping through my fingers. It feels like, and I, I'm going to be sitting here talking like you one day before I know it, man. Yeah. I mean, again, it's, uh, my, my I guess my advice is this. Don't take it for granted when your kids are, it doesn't have to be football. It don't have to be baseball. It could be sports. It could be, to girls, softball, tennis, doesn't even have to be sports, man. It could be ballet or dancing, what, whatever it may be. Don't take it for granted when they have events, when they have games, whatever it may be that, you know, I'll miss this one. I'll catch the next one because at some point you're going to run out of those opportunities. And I see that a lot. Now, fingers crossed, knock on wood, everything goes right. This isn't going to be the end of the road for Shane, when it comes to football, he's going to have an opportunity to play, I don't know where, but somewhere, some college football, you know, that's uh, not given to a lot of people is my point. So many times I see so many people, I'm not going to ever call anybody out, but I got some buddies who have kids and they go to some of the games and, you know, just that, that attitude that, Hey, I'll, you know, I'll catch the next one. I got this going on. I got that going on. Do everything you can while you can, because like I said, I, and I get it. I'm being a little nostalgic like you said maybe even a little over sentimental right now but it's just all the memories of his youth and and all the fun times and all the bad times and all the thing everything in between it's just flying by right now man it's just crazy to me how quick it goes and so many of us have kids and you're gonna experience it oh for sure your eyes and before you know it they've been playing sports for four years and then it's like oh and there's been another four and before you know it it's like how much longer are they going to be doing it? It, it yeah. just goes by so fast. I mean, even the moments right now, I'll catch myself, you know, the one of them wants to play and I, I got stuff to do and I'm like, Hey, hold on, I'll get around to it. Or, you know, we'll play later. And those moments are going to be gone soon too, where they're not even going to want anything to do with playing with me and yeah. those ways, you know what I mean? And then I'm going to look back and say, man, what did I really need to do those things? So I think it's a good message and a good reminder. And especially for me, uh, and even this past week, I put out on Twitter, I had a friend of mine pass away a year ago. And the constant reminder that that left me is it, things do happen fast and you never know uh, about taking stuff for granted. Like don't take anyone for granted, whether it's your family, your kids, your friends, you know, reach out to people, tell them, you know, that you love them and stuff like that because life is crazy, man. And it goes by fast or things happen. So never take any of that stuff for granted. The The little stuff isn't ever that important. Life lessons with Patrick and Aaron, right? That's right, man. Free advice. It's good advice though, man. And you know, sometimes you just got to, like I said, you got to remind people of that when you're, when you're living through it by yourself. Like I said, some sports stuff we're going to get into before that though, TV, man, let's spend a couple minutes talking 
TV because we each have a TV show that we told each other about over the course of the week on Facebook. I have no idea what show you're talking about and you have no idea what show I'm talking about. For people out there listening, uh, tell them a little bit about it. So you, your shows that you've been watching lately is called The Boys, right? The Boys, uh, now, yeah. That's it, on Amazon? Is that on Amazon? It's on What's Amazon the- Prime. Uh, so you have to have an Amazon Prime membership, which a lot of people do nowadays. And they've got sure. a few good shows over there if you like uh, TV. I, I don't know if you've got Amazon Prime. The Expanse is really good over there. Uh, love that if you're into sci-fi. But right now, The Boys, uh, a really cool superhero show that they have. It's based on a graphic novel, a pretty dark graphic novel. Not a really well-known one. Um, very few of my friends had read it before the show came out. But pretty cool concept. Basically, you've got some superheroes that belong to this huge corporation called Vought. And you've got a couple of kind of like underground people uh, that are sort of, I guess, investigating them uh, in a sense. And anyway, a few seasons in now, they're going to have the season finale here on Friday. Uh, Just a really cool show. Pretty dark uh, at times, but also a show that's not scared to make fun of itself a little bit and, and sort of be corny in a sense, kind of traditional to traditional superhero stuff. Uh, but for Amazon prime show, the graphics are really good. Uh, some of the scenes are really incredible. Uh, it's not overly produced superhero show, but it's, it's, I think at a, a top level of production, good acting, really good cast. Um, I think if you like superhero shows, this one is, not as realistic and dark as necessarily like the Watchmen. If there was going to be superheroes, that's what it would be like. But it has some of that realistic, hey, if superheroes really did exist, they'd probably be a bunch of dickheads. You know what I mean? Like the, these people would have massive egos, huge problems, and sort of kind of draws out some of that side of what superheroes are instead of just like, hey, these are really good people and they're always doing the right thing. Uh, so it kind of brings in some of that human element to what uh, if gods were walking amongst us, what it would actually be like. So it's a pretty cool kind of spin on the superhero story. How many seasons now was it in? I think this is the second season that we're in right now. Um, and I do believe they're signed up for another after this. Uh, but it, it goes by, there's not a lot of episodes. I think the second season is only eight episodes, nine episodes, something like that. So they're not a ton. Uh, and once this one's out, if you have Amazon Prime, you could blow through the two seasons in a week. If you're a binge watcher, it would be no problem. Yeah. Now, if you're binging it, that's one thing. But let's just say you're watching it as it goes along. Is it one of those shows that is on like weekly? Or yeah, is it like, so, say, Netflix when you get a you know a whole season at a, at a time? The first season, I think I might have come into it a little late. But I think it came out all at once, the first season. But the second season, they've done it. Uh, releasing it on Fridays, which I don't love to be honest, because when I really like something, I do like to binge it. I was going to uh, ask you that next. I was going to ask you that next. Like, are I, you a binge guy? Or are you a guy that enjoys, like, say, an HBO series or a network show where you wait once a week and watch it? It, it makes it last longer as opposed to a binge. It but- does. And it gives me so like it comes out on Fridays. I'm really excited to watch the finale with my wife. It's something we've been talking about here this week. So there's a little bit of excitement to having to wait for it. But I, I do fall into the binge category more times than not. When given the opportunity, I'll watch three episodes a night uh, in, instead of waiting a week. Yeah, I, I'm the worst with binging, man. Yeah. We get into a show and it becomes two o'clock, three o'clock in yeah. the morning when you know you got to get up in the morning doesn't really matter. Now, the show that I was talking about on the other end, which, by the way, I definitely want to check that out, the boys. It sounds interesting. I watched, I don't know, maybe in a matter of a day and a half, the first season of Ratchet. 
Now, I talked to you just for a few minutes before we started taping, and you don't know who Nurse Ratched is. Never heard of it. Okay, well, the movie, it was from 1975. It's a famous movie. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. With oh, Jack I know. Nicholson. Okay, I know that movie. I didn't. Okay. Okay, now see, I just knew or learned about this. Well, actually, the show just dropped a couple weeks ago. But Nurse Ratchet in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest was the crazy-ass nurse. nurse. With, I mean, literally no heart. There was no shades of gray with her. She horrible. Was just horrible, horrible person. Yeah. Well, Ratchet is her. Oh. And it just, it just dropped on Netflix. Now I want to watch this. Yeah, a couple weeks ago, it's um this the, this was the first season. And again, it's all binged at once. So you can watch it. You know, you can spread it out if you want, but nobody does that. You get into some of my Netflix, you're going to bang out all eight episodes. Um, Sarah Paulson stars in it and she's not really that famous, like mainstream, but she's an incredible actress, man. She was in like American horror story, which I only got into that a little bit, but she also played Marcia Clark in the people versus OJ Simpson series that won all those awards. I mean, she looked just like Marcia Clark, amazing actress, man. She's really good. Uh, not a lot of big stars. Sharon Stone's in it, which is a pretty big star. She is a big star. And, uh, Miranda from Sex in the City, whatever the hell her name is. <laughs> she's uh, she's in it. Uh, Cynthia Nixon, that's her name. Oh, yeah, yeah. But anyway, it's not like the most star-studded cast, but it, I don't know. I, I talk to a lot of people. It's one of those shows where people seem to have a very strong opinion where they either love it or they hate it. But anyway, the premise of the show is this. So you know that in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, so you know about Nurse Ratchet now. That took place in 1962, the novel, and the movie was based on that. This series is a prequel to that. It's based, well, season one anyway was based in the late 40s. And it tells a story of how she became a nurse. And she's like it right now, anyway, shades of gray. Like she's not the evil nurse that you see in the movies. There's a good side to her. Again, I would say uh, shades of gray, but very, very, very interesting. If nothing else, if you like shows that, Something's always happening. This is that kind of show. It reminds me, even though it's like not the same type of show, but like I remember season one of Sons of Anarchy. I don't know if you got into yep. that when it Watched was on. it all, yep. Well, right off the bat, Sons of Anarchy was like, bam, in your face. Shit's going down right away. That's kind of how Ratchet was after maybe say the first two episodes. Like something was always happening. A lot of jaw dropping, your mouth's wide open moments like, holy shit, I can't believe this just happened. Just a, a really good, I personally thought it was really good, man. Um, They did something that I, really cool with a puppet show to tell the backstory of Nurse Ratchet and her brother, who, again, I don't want to give away spoilers, just like you did in your show. But, um, you know, her brother is crazy, okay? Long story, I mean, I can't, there's no way to not say that. But anyway, the backstory is told through a puppet show, and it's just, is really fascinating. Lots of high points. The only low thing I would say is that some of the storylines, the story arcs are just a little bit outlandish. Again, I can't get into it without spoiling it, but if nothing else, it's worth watching. I feel really confident saying that. So season one, Ratchet on Netflix. Is it, your seat? I think it is anyway. Is What's it up? one? So like, I'm a, actually quite a big fan of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I'm su- surprised I didn't make the connection when you said Miss Ratchet or Nurse Ratchet. Uh, probably watched the movie six or seven times in my life. Is it better if you're a fan of the movie or do you have to be a fan of the movie to enjoy it? Or can you watch it without having seen Cuckoo's Nest and still get the same type of enjoyment out of it? 
at this point, you can watch it without ever seeing the movie. You don't have to know anything about the movie. Okay. Will, in fact, if anything, the only thing I would say is if you know the movie well, and you know her and how evil she is, the you only can see benefit, right? The only benefit is, is this is kind of again this being a prequel. It really tells a story of how she got to be where she is now. To be fair, this was season one, and again, without spoiling anything, she's not completely batshit evil at the end of season one either. Again, there's lots of layers to her right now. I know they ordered two seasons right off the bat, Netflix. And I've heard that the producer, I think his name was Ryan Murphy, was talking about they're going to have four. I'm looking forward to as the seasons progress. Hopefully they do have four seasons. She starts to transform. Like what happens to make her into what she ultimately became that we saw in the famous Jack Nicholson movie. But right now there's a lot of intricacies and, and layers to her and it uh like i said it the storylines can be a little bit much like if you're one of those people and i'm one of them too sometimes who dissects and overanalyzes literally everything that's on tv like why this and that i did blah 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 you're gonna do that but in terms of like thrills or like i said just like <gasps> you know those kind of gas moments this is definitely a show that's worth it and, and one last thing too I don't like shows that are like 90 minutes each, like every episode and there's eight of them is an hour or less, a little bit less than that. Like between somewhere between 47 to 58 minutes. So eight episodes is pretty digestible, man. If you can't do it in one sitting, you can definitely do it in two. You know what I mean? Awesome. Yep. That's good to know. Cause I, we're currently going to be showless here in a minute and kind of looking for something to watch. So I might check that out, man. Yeah, for sure. All right, so, so far, like I said, we're about 20 minutes into our podcast right now, and we have talked about kids growing up too fast and two TV shows. <laughs> Probably should turn the page a little bit, talk some sports. So let me preface this, saying this again. We are taping this late Thursday. People, for the most part, are going to be hearing this sometime between Friday morning and Friday late afternoon. Things could change. As of right now, when Aaron and I are taping this show, the Buffalo Bills are going to play on Tuesday night, assuming that on Friday, today, for people listening, that Tennessee doesn't have any more positive COVID tests. So again, as of right now, the Bills will play on Tuesday. And if that happens, the Kansas City Chiefs game that was scheduled for Thursday night football, national audience, is going to be moved to Sunday. Not sure Predictably, the time slot they're saying. They haven't said. Right, right. Um, predictably so, the reaction from Buffalo fans, because that's all I've had an opportunity to get. I mean, this happened right. not long before you and I are going on the air here. Predictably, very irate Buffalo Bills fans. Some media people, too, have been very vocal about it. Let's start there. Let me get your reaction. How you feel about everything that's going on? How much blame do you put on Tennessee? What should be done? If you were the commissioner, what do you think they could do? How much does it screw the Bills, if at all? And just your general thoughts about playing a football game on a Tuesday night and then having to come back on Sunday. Because again, on the exterior, and I know it's only one day, but the Bills are actually, I, I think they're getting screwed out of a day because now they're only going to have four days instead of five, the way the schedule is originally set up, if I'm thinking about it correctly. But anyway, let me get your thoughts on just generally everything that's going on with that. Yeah, I there's a lot to unpack. First of all, I, I think the Bills are going to still be playing the Kansas City Chiefs on Thursday in football. I, I don't think probability lends itself to the Titans not having a positive test on Friday. And right. it's not just Friday, right? They got to get through Saturday, too. They could they go, get Saturday through, too. They could go yep, through yep. 
uh, all day Friday and then still test positive Saturday. So there's a lot of time in between here and then. And we've seen here this week how a lot can change over the course of a couple of days. We just saw the New England game get moved as well uh, due to their positive COVID test that they had uh, with Stefan Gilmore today. Uh, so there's a lot of things kind of moving parts. I do feel bad for the league in this situation. I think they have a lot of things that they thought about. But once you're kind of knee deep in this season, things are really difficult. There's a ripple effect to moving everything, right? It's not just a simple solution, forfeit the game and, you know, let the teams move on. Like a lot of ripple effects come from every decision that's made now moving forward. Uh, The conversations about fair, I think, were out the window when this season started. Um, you had a lot of players aren't playing across the league. So teams are playing shorthanded. So you're going to, I mean, there's people I know have already been talking about asterisks since uh, August. You have some teams that have fans, some teams that don't. Uh, We we talked about the competitive advantage there. I'm not sure what it is. So fair is kind of out the window. Uh, As far as my reaction to the, if the scenario does come to fruition and play out, I don't care all that much to be honest with you uh so they're gonna play tuesday they were gonna play sunday that's still what a four-day turnaround so sunday monday tuesday wednesday and then you're playing thursday that's three days in between sunday and thursday that you have to play a game i hate thursday night football because of that it's too quick to turn around i i believe you know in my opinion i think they should get rid of thursday night football so instead i think the bills actually gain a day going from tuesday to sunday but uh, i think what people are complaining about is that the chiefs gain two days, but they really, they have a day of travel. So they're really plus one day preparation against the bills as seems to be what people's complaint is for this. And I don't know that that's significant enough for me to get on Twitter and start yelling about um, the tapes, the film stuff's already been done, right? The pro personnel people are, are weeks ahead. Um, that stuff's already been done. The game plan's already being worked on. They're going to jump right into that here. Uh, right after that Titans game, no matter when it was. So I don't know that there's a significant advantage either way. I guess a day of rest if they have injuries, but the Bills injury reports pretty substantial at this point. So I think they could use a day of rest, but NFL is going to do whatever it can to get all 16 games in for all 32 teams. They're already short on revenue for the year. Stephen A. Smith uh, said it the other day on one of the shows on ESPN. It's going to take the federal government to come in and intervene to get them to not have all 16 games for all 32 teams. They need the revenue. There's billions of dollars on the table. This this is a big game. This is going to be a highly watched game, that Chiefs game. Uh, so you got to keep that and you got to put it somewhere. Um, they want to get this Titans game and they don't want to lose the revenue for that. So I understand it. I get why fans are going to get frustrated, but going forward in the season, man, there's going to be a lot of things that aren't fair. A lot of people are going to claim there's asterisks. I think for Bills fans, kind of one last thought on it. Uh, They have the coach, front office, players. We talk about culture all the time and people roll their eyes about that stuff. This is kind of the season where that matters to have all that consistency, continuity, uh, being able to face adversity, preparing for adversity. I don't know that there's a team in the league that's more prepared to face kind of a roller coaster of a season with kind of oddball adversity than the Buffalo Bills just because they have that continuity, they have the consistency, and they have good leadership. So I've never been happier to have the people in place that we have in place here in Buffalo with a season like this because you don't know what curveballs are coming up ahead. I mean, we're only just finishing the first quarter of the season. This could get really funky the rest of the year. 
What do you feel about in terms of the Tennessee Titans discipline consequence for this? Because now, look, this is COVID and health matters over football. Sure. You know that I know that everybody knows that. But here's the deal, bro. This is their fault. Okay. Now getting sick, that's not necessarily somebody's fault, but they clearly multiple times have broken protocol. So the widespread COVID that's going on in Tennessee is their fault. Now, there's been a lot of talk. I think a lot of it was by fans and maybe to a lesser extent media, people who just might not know the way the inner workings of the league. A lot of people were saying that they should have to forfeit. In fact, actually, it's not even I heard Dan Olowski on ESPN say that literally today on Thursday late afternoon. I don't think that was ever on the table. Well, no, maybe it's on the table. Maybe it's not. But that punishes the Buffalo Bills, too, man. That's everyone in that organization. All those players, they don't get a game check. Right. So, I think, and I think that's, I mean, I, apparently the players negotiated that with the players union that in this season, if there was forfeits, they wouldn't get paid. I think there's a way around that with the punishment. You could punish the Titans for having to pay, not only forfeit the game, then also pay the bills. Del Reed brought that up early in the day. I thought that was a perfect idea. You're going to be paying a hefty fine, pay the bills players. You know, it's not their fault that this happened. Uh, people what, what do you think is a fair punishment? What do you yeah. think is a fair punishment? I don't know that uh, forfeit either way. I'm not. I don't have a super strong feeling on it. People were pretty had some pretty strong feelings about that today, uh, whether or not it's okay or not. I, I don't have strong feelings on that either way. I think I'm not sure there is a fair punishment. There's a blatant disregard for the protocols by the Tennessee Titans. Uh, not only a blatant disregard, but then after they totally disregarded all these the notes from the NFL saying not to gather after they've already blatantly disregarded things. They continue to do it. But then when it was exposed, their players took to Twitter to attack the people that were exposing it, showing even further disregard, which tells me it's a cultural thing in Tennessee, not just a few bad apples. This seems like a, a the culture there doesn't care about this. Uh, we're hearing about possibly historic penalties and, and I'm not sure that they're enough. We're hearing that maybe Vrabel, and the GM will get suspended for the year. That's great. Uh, talking maybe up to like a $10 million fine in a first round draft pick. I think all the players involved in the workout should face more, uh, including in the suspensions for them and fines. I think it's a total disregard for fellow players in the league and the league itself. They put the entire league at jeopardy uh, through their selfish act. So I think you fine all those guys, suspend all those guys that were involved in that. Um, I don't know that you have to put all the suspensions at once. Maybe you tier the suspension so that they continue to play uh, and be able to field a football team. But as far as fines and suspensions and stuff like that, I don't feel like they can go too far. This needs to be an example that's set to the rest of the league. Because like I said, man, we're only a quarter way through the season. If people start to get lax and don't pay attention to the protocols, we're only going to continue to have these problems. And the league can afford it. Uh, other teams are penalized for this. It's just be, going to become a shit show if if this isn't something that is, hey, we're going to set an example here and make the penalty so severe that it's going to hurt you long term. I'd be fine with future cap reduction. Uh, you know, penalize them here going forward. Make it hard for them to continue to build because they put their own selfish interests ahead of the leagues, and that's not okay. Absolutely not. And yeah, you got You got to set an example. It's kind of like. Going back to the whole kids thing that we were talking about earlier in the episode, all the wonderful things about kids. Conversely, the best way to teach your child a lesson is to punish them so severely that they're never going to want to do anything again. Because here's the bottom line, dude. COVID's hard enough to defend 
right now as it is. And that's when you're doing everything the right way. You could wear a mask, just going to the supermarket, getting gas at the gas station. God only knows what. It's scary and hard enough as it is when you're following the rules. When you're blatantly not following the rules, it makes it impossible. And it's not just yourself and it's not even just your team. It's other teams that are getting involved. Do you get a sense? Because I sort of did. Listening to some players or seeing tweets and stuff on Thursday or Wednesday earlier in the week as well, we know that Troy White almost didn't even play at all this year. I kind of get the sense, at least with Buffalo, because that's the guys that I focus the most on, don't seem like they're enthusiastic about playing this game, at least a lot of them anyway. Like, I think they might have some reservations about their health and their safety going to Tennessee right now. Do you get that sense at all? Because I do. It's hard. I'm not going to say whether or not. I mean, they're saying all the right things, right? We're hearing from the guys they want to play the game. They want to play football. We're hearing they didn't want to forfeit, uh, things like that, which I respect that. Uh, I can't imagine that there's not a portion of the team that has those feelings. We know that Trey was concerned. And even with the Raiders thing happened in the week before that game, they said the antennas were up uh, hearing in the news of them going to the uh, fundraiser without masks on. So I, I think there's got to be a portion of the team that has some nerves in that regard. Uh, and, and also to this Tennessee thing, it's another thing of optics for the league in general, and not just with football fans. There's people that didn't think that this league should be playing in a COVID year. And so they have to tell those people that it's being taken so seriously too, that this is a totally unacceptable thing for it to be kind of a laissez-faire uh, within internal organizations in regards to it. So there's a lot going on, a lot of moving parts, but yeah, I think players around the league, I mean, you look at the bills, dude, I think Tim Graham said it the other day, like it's like playing minesweeper right now. The bills, they're like bottled up in between COVID cases and they're, past game and their next game you had uh contact between the new england patriots and the kansas city chiefs they're playing them next like it's just surrounding this organization uh so i think there's definitely got to be guys that have concerns because who knows what their family lives are like if they have high-risk people living in their house or that are close to them we just don't know well i think the nfl definitely does not want to have that 18th week i think that if it's not this game Ultimately, I think we're going to head towards that because I don't see the stop. And let me preface this again for people listening. Aaron and I are taping this Thursday night while Tampa Bay is playing the Chicago Bears. People are listening Friday. By the time you're listening to this, two more players from Tennessee might have tested positive and this game might already be off. So the Chiefs game could be on Thursday. If I was a betting man, in fact, that's right. kind of where I'm leaning. I kind of lean towards that's what's ultimately going to happen from a football only aspect. Let's just say football only. I almost feel like now this would screw the schedule up. Okay. Again, the bills might have to play a week 18. That might end up being unfair because if they're going to be a playoff team and they're going to play a team in the playoffs, that doesn't have to play week 18. They get that extra week of rest or whatever have you. But right now, only speaking football, dude, if they don't play again, and you and I tend to think that's probably what's going to end up happening here. They don't play and they and then things go back to normal and they play the Chiefs on Thursday. From a football perspective, do you feel like in some ways that might benefit the Bills a little bit? Because they're kind of banged up right now. Like Trey White's missed the last two practices. I don't put any stock into missing a Wednesday practice ever. Sure. But a Thursday practice, two straight. He um he's missed two in a row. We already know about Matt Milano. Um John Brown re-aggravated his calf. 
There's a lot of banged up bills going. Yeah, Mario Addison didn't practice on Thursday. So there's a good, significant, and I mean, important players right now that are on that injury report. So from a football aspect only, do you feel in some ways that maybe they might be better off if they don't play Tennessee? Well, and I had heard, there's people out there on that on Twitter were saying they wanted Tennessee because they're also banged up outside of the COVID, right? Uh, their COVID list, they had some injuries from their last game and they're banged up. And people were saying, you know, well, that's why I want to play them because they're banged up. Well, I got bad news for you. The Bills are too. And yeah, I mean, you got to assume somebody's going to get banged up in that game too. That, you know, just at this point in the season, it's week in and week out. Everybody's taking lumps. Uh, so I guess, there's some advantage to the game not happening going into KC, but I got, I, I'll probably get hammered for this. I, I'm not sure what advantages matter going up against Kansas city, to be honest. I think that I've had that one as a loss since the schedule came out and even yeah. as good as the bills look, they look better than I thought they would when the schedule came out. But that game hasn't been anything that's changed for me. A couple others have changed and, and maybe the bills can beat some of the teams I thought they might lose to, but KC ain't one of them. Yeah, I, I agree, dude. You, give them, you can give them 10 days, you give them two weeks. I'm not going to bet my life or anything. I'm not going to put $5 on Buffalo beating Kansas City. No disrespect, of course. No, no. To yeah. the Bills. But Any given yeah, Sunday, man. That's why you got to play them. <laughs> so, I don't... Is this beneficial now? By the way, officially, New England and Denver is playing Monday at 5 p.m. Right. Became official while we're taping here. Um, so it's 6 p.m. Is this 6 p.m. Eastern time or 6 p.m. Central? I thought, I thought that might've been central, but if they're going to play Denver and New England at five, that might be six o'clock for the bills. Again, maybe it might not matter come late Friday, but as of right now, 6 p.m., you don't know if that's Eastern or not, do you? I don't know. I I didn't look too much into that other than it got moved. Um, so I, I haven't seen exactly when the game is. Are you a, are you a Thursday night football guy or uh, let me, let me take that back. Are you a Buffalo Bills primetime guy? Like, does it bother you at all? Because I know at least there's some fans out there that above all else, they're pissed off because they really want to see the Bills and the Chiefs play on Thursday night as opposed to, say, Sunday afternoon. Does that annoy you? Uh, Well, so a couple things. I hate Thursday night football in general. I think the league should do away with it. I remember Richie Incognito speaking up about it a couple years back, and I wanted him to shout it from the rooftops. I hate it. I hate everything about it. Primetime in general. I don't actually love the Bills being on primetime. It makes me feel like they're going to throw up all over themselves. I don't know if that's just decades of that happening, uh, being burnt into my brain. That makes me think they're just going to throw up and and I'm going to get text messages from all my non-Bills friend fans saying, oh, it's same old Bills. Uh, Also, I do a live show after every game and primetime sucks. Yeah, to do, a, to do a live show after a primetime game, man. I'm You're getting old. Yeah. yeah, dude, it's a late night. It's uh, it's like staying up for <laughs> West Coast NBA games, man. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> That's by the way, it is set. So it's 7 p.m. Eastern. I'm reading a press okay. release right now. So it's going to be 7 p.m. on Tuesday, assuming that the game does happen. It does not have a, a time for the Chiefs. Now, what I read earlier in the day was that it would probably be a one o'clock game because Perfect. they're already going to have a big national audience because. Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady is the late Sunday game on Fox. And, you know, that's where the league, I'm sure, is going to want a lot of eyeballs on. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how, we'll see what happens. It's, it's just a shame. And I don't know. I, I On a scale of one to 10, I, how surprised are you that this is happening right now? What, what are we? This is week five. I was very concerned about it coming into the season because I followed the NHL and the NBA and they're in the bubble. And that's went brilliantly in both sports 
Baseball started out disastrous, got a little bit better. Football was looking really promising for a while, but starting to get worse, starting to get more games. And uh, I don't think this is going to be one. I, I think this Tennessee might be the only team stupid enough to break protocol multiple times like they have. But even so, even with guys trying to do everything the right way, starting to, starting to get really worried and concerned that this is going to happen a lot. I think it is going to happen a lot, but I do think there's more data out there right now. Kansas City right now is an outlier. Or not Kansas City, sorry. Tennessee right now is an outlier because they broke the protocols and they're having a real full outbreak within that building. The rest of the teams, we've had positive cases in what? Atlanta, uh, New England. Uh, who else has had positive? The, the Raiders have had a positive case. We've had positive yep. cases come up and it's been a single player, two players, no more than that. We've been able to push those either back a day or play those games on time. Uh, so that's a really good sign for football fans. If people are following the protocols and doing things the right way, I think we have enough data that shows this can be contained and we can continue the season. And it might be a small and significant change of a, hey, now you're playing Monday versus Sunday, uh, which isn't a huge deal. I think that you can continue to do that all throughout the year. Totally. I don't think any teams are going to have a problem with that. It's going to be the type of outbreak that we saw in Tennessee. If that happens again, I don't know that there's a whole lot of wiggle room in the schedule. Like you said, I don't want to see 18 weeks that 18. I don't want to see any teams having to deal with some extra tough game right before they're heading into the playoffs. I don't want to see forfeits. So hopefully I think it's going to happen though. Yeah. Well, and you know what might have to happen is I think if they have another Tennessee type outbreak, uh, I do think they're going to have to do what major league baseball did, which is get everybody in a hotel and put them in as much of a bubble as you can uh, within the NFL cities within your, I was going to ask you that. Do you think there's any shot that at some point, if not now, maybe a little bit later in the season, these teams for the last maybe six weeks or so agree to go in a bubble, like stay and live in a hotel and have restrictions just like the hockey and basketball did. I mean, I don't think the owners want to pay for it. Uh, I don't think the NFL ain't going to pay for it. Um, but I think at some point the owners might get convinced that, hey, look, if you don't pay for it, you're already short on revenue. We, we already know everybody's going to be short on revenue. You're going to get no revenue if we have to cancel this season. So up the money, pay for this, and we will be able to continue the season. Otherwise, we might not be able to continue it. Because I do think one more outbreak in a team, and they're going to have to come up with some type of draconian thing like that where you just throw everybody in hotels and really monitor everybody. Because uh, once Major League Baseball was able to get over that hump, things were fine, right? And so we have yeah. that data that shows you can do this, you can play a league, but you're going to have to do it this way. By the way, I mean... COVID's running through the NFL right now. Bills fans can't go to a game. They're pissed off, rightfully so, in my opinion. Meanwhile, down here, Miami, 65, Governor DeSantis approved 65,000 fans in the stands at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. I've been telling you this all along, man. Florida has essentially said COVID ended in June. It's crazy. Six, they're going to allow basically a full stadium down here in Florida, where we can't even get games in right now, getting shuffled the deck every week now with games. And the solution in Florida is let's pack a stadium. I mean, how stupid is that? 
I think it's totally dumb. Uh, kudos to the Dolphins, at least for now, for saying they're only going to stick to the 15,000, 15, uh, yeah. even though they're allowed to. Because I'm sure it's tempting. I, I think their revenue stream is tempting for them to go ahead and say, oh, yeah, let's open it up and let it in. But they're doing the right thing, even though they're allowed to. And I applaud that. Um, what an idiot. DeSantis is. I can't believe. I mean, I have problems right now with Cuomo not letting any fans uh, for Bills games. I know the Bills are trying to for the potential of that Thursday night game to get something going. And I think you can do it right. There's there's a little bit of gray area here where we can operate something and we have data that shows that you can do it. Other teams have done it in a safe manner. It doesn't have to be the full stadium. You could do 10,000 people. It doesn't have to be zero. I think sometimes New York goes a little step too far in the other direction, but I'd much rather be going too far in the other direction than, you know, unfortunately for you, what Florida does and go totally, let's open the floodgates and put 65,000 people in a building. Uh, It sounds a little crazy to me right now with the data that we have. Yeah. I mean, again, not to bring up my kid and his high school football, but there's a couple hundred fans that are allowed in the game. They got taped off seating and you got to do certain protocols. And I mean, it's very strict. I, I, that I'm down with. I think there should be some fans allowed at games. 65,000 is just stupid and it's absurd. It's, it's just asking for it, trouble. And yeah, it's I it's mean, him posturing for political purpose. And it, uh, sure. I'd be frustrated if I lived in Florida that, 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 again, the disregard for what everyone else is saying the policy should be. Yeah, for sure. Uh, one more Bills thing too. Josh Norman came back last week. And given the fact that Levi Wallace hurt his ankle and he's on IR now and Trey White's banged up, couldn't come at a better time. Now, I've been very critical of the signing of Josh Norman. I flat out did not like it when it happened. I've kind of been critical, like I said, throughout the entire process. And at least for one week, I, I feel like he shut me up, made a big play. That fumble, force fumble and recovery was a very key play in that game. And like I said, him coming back, really good timing, ain't it? Yeah, no, it's great timing. Uh, They've gotten pretty lucky here because there was a stretch right before the season where both Levi and Norman had hamstring issues, right? And we weren't sure if Levi was going to be able to play. Luckily, Levi was. Uh, Even though fans don't love Levi Wallace, I think he has done a pretty good job uh, for most of the year playing opposite of Trey White. There's a little bit of problems being that guy. I think that Levi Wallace and Josh Norman are pretty much very similar players. Uh, Josh has maybe a little bit more swag and hits a little harder, but I think they're both pretty good tacklers. I think they're both pretty good in coverage. So I don't think there's a huge drop off either way. If either one of those guys can't go. Uh, But I think Levi's injury is going to be much more significant than Bill's fans think. So I think we're going to have to rely on Josh Norman for quite a while. So his timing couldn't have been better. I do want to urge some fans I've seen on Twitter, people saying, you know, they saw that fumble, which was a huge turning point in that game. Great play heads up play. Loved it. Uh, but kind of taking that and saying that he's a stud, uh, I'm not going to go that, f- I'm not going to go that far that he's some stud. I think the same frustrations you had with Levi Wallace or similar type frustrations you had with Levi Wallace, we're going to have those frustrations also with Josh Norman. He's going to miss tackles at times. He's going to jump balls or jump routes. Maybe that he shouldn't jump. Uh, there's going to be some problems. I think there's going to be some growing pains uh, at that position until we really establish a cornerback too. But I'm glad that he's there and we don't go from Levi Wallace to Cam Lewis uh, here this week. I think that it's nice to have that piece. 
I think that they we, we're seeing uh, Prince of Mukamura got, is going to probably end up here with the Cardinals, assuming he passes his COVID test. That was a guy the Bills had in. I thought they were going to keep him on speed dial in case things go south. Tremaine Johnson was another guy the Bills had in. I think he's on their speed dial or Rolodex or whatever you want to call it. Um, and, and from there, I don't know what else you can do is say Josh Norman gets hurt or doesn't play at a good level. Cause I do think Levi is going to be out a while, but for now I'm really happy that, uh, Josh Norman is healthy and playing because uh, I do think as much as fans dislike Levi Wallace, uh, it, him going down was significant to this bill's defense. Two more things here. One of them, I got to give credit to my buddy, Matt Perino from New York bills reporter there. He put up a poll on Twitter earlier this week. Oh my God. I I, I thought it was pretty fascinating. So basically he asked Bill's fans. He said, if you were offered the trade of Josh Allen, Trey White and Tremaine Edmonds, all three of them for Patrick Mahomes, would you make that trade? If you were the Bills, would you make that trade if you were offered? Right now. Yes. Um, very good response. I mean, nearly as we're taping this, I'm looking right now, 9,500 fans voted, which is a lot. Yeah. Um, 85.6% of fans said, no, they would not trade those three guys for Patrick Mahomes. Only 14.4% said yes. Now I got to point out first and foremost, the obvious, this is a Mapparino is a Buffalo Bills reporter. The majority of followers and fans are Buffalo Bills fans. So we got to preface that. That said, that is an enormously high and, in my opinion, ridiculous percentage. But first and foremost, because I, if you did chime in, I don't know if you if you did it, I didn't see it. I didn't so see let me ask yet. you. All right. Well, first and foremost, what would you do if that opportunity was presented and, and why? It's a tough one. It's more no, tough. It's it is a tough one that right now, if it was not a tough one in August, in August, I do the trade. I don't even think twice. Patrick Mahomes is on pace to be the best quarterback to ever play football. And that's yep. the most important position in football by far right now. Josh Allen is on pace to be, to break Patrick Mahomes best season in football's record. I don't think he's going to do that, but he's playing at a level that few people right now in the world are playing at. And if Josh Allen can even sustain some of that play long-term, we just heard Brett Favre come out this week and say, you know, huge praise in saying that he's going to be the Tom Brady and, and dominate this division for the next decade plus. And you get Trey White, an all-pro player, and you get who I think, I know he's struggling right now, I think he's going to be maybe not an all-pro, but a really dominant middle linebacker for the next 10 years. He's only 22 years old. All those pieces, I don't know, man. I think it's tougher than your – I saw your take. I think it's tougher than you're giving it credit for for being, and I think I I roll with the guys we got. Well, let me first and foremost say this. You make good points. They're very fair points. I guess two things. Number one, I, I need to be careful because I don't want to get the Josh Allen stands attacking me right now. I like Josh Allen very much. He is on his way to becoming a great player. If he continues to play like he is, he will become a great player. You agree with that, right? 
Oh yeah. I mean, sure. He really is on pace right now. We talked about it in our show the other night. He's, I hate on pace records, but he's on pace to, to really break Pat Mahomes thing. And there's no statistical indicators that look like outliers to say that he's going to have a massive regression, right? He might not hit that pace, but it's not going to be a massive, he's going to fall flat on his face and revert back to last year. Okay. I agree with that. I, I definitely think he's over the hump when it comes to reverting back to what he was last year. I also realistically don't think he's going to continue to play at this level, which is fine. I don't think he's necessarily an NFL MVP. That's the only criticism I'm saying of Josh Allen right now. And it's not even a criticism. I'm just saying, I don't think he's quite on the Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson level. That's all I'm saying. Sure. He's that, that next tier he's though, not... right? Like he's the top of that next tier probably right now. Yeah, he's, he, he is. And I, I'll agree with that, which kind of, let me present it to you this way. Let's go a little bit old school here. And I try to think of some, what I think anyway, are fair comparisons. Maybe you don't think they're fair, but I do. Um, quarterback. Let's say I compare Josh Allen to Randall Cunningham, okay? Randall Cunningham was a transcendent, physical specimen, talent, fast, could run, make plays with his legs, had a cannon arm, very good, a highlight reel, just like Josh Allen. couple stupid plays here and there. Wasn't the most consistent quarterback, but did progress and become, without question, one of the better quarterbacks of that era, in my opinion, anyway. Yeah. Again, a very good quarterback, but he wasn't, he ain't Dan Marino, and he ain't John Elway, and he ain't Jim Kelly. You know what I mean? But he was sure. a very good quarterback. Then let's take uh, Daryl Green, okay? Daryl Green, in my opinion, was one of the best cornerbacks of his era, maybe even the best, um, hands down. One of the better cornerbacks ever played. He's a Hall of Famer, okay? He's the best player in my opinion. And then I would say Ken Norton Jr. is a guy that I think of, okay? Um, Dallas Frisco linebacker, very athletic, a good, very good linebacker, but he was far from one of the league's best, man. You want to know Mike Singletary, you want to know uh, Lawrence Taylor, you want to even like Carl Banks to me, but he was a good linebacker. So Randall Cunningham, Dale Green, Ken Norton Jr. If you're Bill Walsh and somebody said, I'll give you these three guys and you give me Joe Montana in his prime. Are you making that trade? Are you trading Joe Montana for Randall Cunningham, Daryl Green, and Ken Norton Jr.? Now, maybe I'm not being fair. Maybe Josh Allen to Randall Cunningham is not a fair comparison. Maybe you could say, well, I think Josh Allen's better than Randall Cunningham was in comparison or Ken Norton Jr. But Randall, Daryl Green, and Ken Jordan or Norton Jr., I ain't trading those. I'm not giving up Joe Montana for those three. It's tough. I get what you're saying. If the other side of that is, in my opinion, you don't need to have the best cornerback quarterback in football to win championships, right? You need a good team. And we saw that for years. I don't think this might get me killed. I don't think Jim Kelly was even that close to Dan Marino in quarterback skill. I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he was. I love Jim Kelly. I think he was a, the greatest in, in our team and one of the greatest of all time. Dan Marino, I mean, until Peyton Manning came along, Dan Marino was the greatest thing I had ever seen throw football. Uh, his skill alone was some of the best you've ever seen. Uh, he didn't play on as good of teams as Jim Kelly played on, right? And that was some of Jim Kelly's success was he had better talent around him on his offensive line, better running back, better wide receivers. So there, there's something to that. Uh, so you got to build the whole team. And I think 
you, you build your better team by getting better players. And luckily for Patrick Mahomes too, man, he went into probably the best situation a rookie quarterback has ever fallen into. I mean, and Andy Reid led studs team that was already a playoff team with Alex Smith. Um, it's a pretty good situation. So I, I don't know that his success, I think at this point you can put him on any team in the league and he continues with the success he's had, but I don't know that him alone versus getting a handful of good players. I, I think the bills are on a traje- trajectory. I, again, I don't think they can beat the chiefs today, but I think they're on a trajectory to be kind of the thorn in the Chiefs' side here for the next few years. They could, this could be one of those rivalries in the AFC like we haven't seen in a while, or like the, you know, the Manning, uh, Colts and the the Brady Patriots. I think we might see some type of rivalry like like that between these two teams. And and a big part of it isn't just Josh's development; it is the leaders on the defensive side, which include Trey Tremaine and Trey Davis White. Well, I guess at the end of the day, I just I look at Pat Mahomes and I see not only the best quarterback in the NFL, transcendent. Right now, I, yeah, I think he's going to become what he's done. I think he's going to end up being the best quarterback who's ever played football. That's I think that's the reason why. In my mind, I just bring myself to saying I I, I can't do it. I do, I uh, agree with you that it's ridiculous how lopsided that poll was. It should be a lot closer. Eighty six percent people. What it this way? I brought. You know what? I'm just thinking of this now as I'm talking to you. I know national media people. I'm gonna beg one of the national media to people that to put that on theirs. Where it's gonna be a national audience? I promise you. That it's going to be fifty percent or better for saying Patrick they Holmes. would rather yeah. have Patrick Mahomes. I promise you yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Because again, the guy's already won an NFL MVP. He's won a Super Bowl MVP. He's got like he's already got eighty-seven touchdown passes. He's averaging two hundred yards a game for his career, and I still think he's ascending. That's the whole yeah. crazy thing. Which you know, at the end of the day, too, I should point this out, which I like that Matt did indirectly. That's kind of in a way what the bills could have had because they could have kept that 10th pick. Who knows if they take him for sure. Word was that Pagula, believe it or not, Terry Pagula really wanted Patrick Mahomes. Right. So let's just say they made they that. They also pick. like Mr. Trubisky a lot. So I don't know that that's a. Yeah, but he was gone. So they didn't really have that option. <laughs> right, right. You know what I'm saying? Um, but anyway, my point was if they would have traded him or if they would have taken Mahomes, they don't trade back because they traded back. They got Trey White at pick 27. They got the first round pick, which they leveraged to move up and end up getting Tremaine Edmonds. And then they had their own kind of good pick. And then they traded uh, Cordy Glenn and that kind of packaged them up to end up getting Josh Allen. So indirectly, in a way, by sure. trading down, they ended up with those three guys instead of, it's a fascinating it conversation. Is, I, 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 hate, I, I hate looking at things like that, though, because like it, the shit right. Dakotas and the, I mean, dude, I'll be honest. If Patrick Mahomes comes to the Buffalo Bills uh, roster that they had here uh, when they drafted Tredavious White, I don't think yeah. he becomes the player he is. I think sometimes, uh, a lot of it. Oh, is, you don't think you don't think he could be throwing to Kelvin Benjamin and Zay Jones and, and Robert Foster and being elite? Yeah. No, I and I think yeah, maybe he's better than what we had here, and maybe the offense is a little bit better. But I don't think he becomes this transcendent talent. Uh, I feel like the only there's maybe two or three places he could have gone and he went to one of them with Angie Reed and the weapons they have. Uh, and now that he is this player, I think he can go anywhere and be that talent, but he had to go there first. If that makes sense. It does. It makes a lot of sense. Completely unrelated, by the way, as I'm watching this uh, Chicago bears, Tampa Bay game, and it's still early enough that I could sound stupid when people are hearing this, but 
Dude, Nick Foles is like the best backup ever and the worst starter. I've watched him in the last five minutes on third and two overthrow Allen Robinson by 10 yards when he was wide open and then throw an ugly interception. Dude, so let's not put him I in any uh, Bears fan, man. They're having a rough go. And that's a, the, 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 not to go off topic here too much. Talking about building a football team, man, this, th- that Bears team is so close to being a Super Bowl contender. If they just had competent quarterback play, they could be a Super Bowl contender in the NFC. They could have Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Just imagine that. If they had, they took Mitch Trubinsky. They could or have Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson on this team right now, man. Oh, oh, my Lord. Anyway, this is how I wanted to end this. When I have you on from now on, at least on Friday shows, I kind of want to power rank some stuff, some different things. And I got this inspiration because you tweeted at me earlier in this week. You know that I like a lot of 90s R&B, and I know that you're a very big fan of 90s R&B as well. And you were talking about you couldn't stop listening to Mary J. Blige. It's your and fault. You actually, uh, you, <laughs> and yeah, you, you were me. on Facebook and you were sending me some R&B stuff. And I went down this like Whitney Houston rabbit hole. And then I was uh, Spotify <laughs> played some Mary J for me today on my playlist. And I was like, oh yeah, this is Patrick's fault. And so I had to get your idea. <laughs> well, you got me thinking. And I decided that I wanted to join forces with you to kind of come up with a modern era, best female R&B singers like I said, of the modern era, not historically, because if we were going historically, obviously people like Aretha Franklin and, and Gladys Knight and Dionne Warwick, Diana Ross, uh, Patti LaBelle, Natalie Cole, people like that would definitely be on the list. So oh let's God. just kind of stop sleeping on my girl, Shaka Khan, man. Yeah. You know, I'm not that big of a Shaka Khan person though. I feel for you was the shit, but I'm not that big of a Shaka Khan person, but mad respect to her. But anyway, I, I just thought it would be fun to kind of figure out where Mary J's place would be falling in. And by the way, people listening and definitely want your feedback. So you can tweet at me at Pamaran tweets or send an email to the podcast, whatever. I, I love feedback when it comes to this stuff. Now, I don't even know if you agree with number two, number one, I think we could both agree on And again, modern, that's gotta be Whitney, right? Like you, we're not going to have any debate on that. No matter the, eh. Yeah. She's right there with Aretha. It's her Aretha all time for me, but modern's an easy Whitney right sure. here, man. I think. Sure. Yeah, no, it's easy. I, I'll, I'll someday we'll get in an argument of Aretha or, or Whitney, but yeah, no, I, I think there's no question. Whitney's number one. Yeah. And number two, I got number two anyway. I don't know how you feel, but I love Alicia Keys, man. That's my queen, Queen Alicia. Um, by the way, I didn't realize it until just recently. Dude, she's been around for like 17, 18 years now. It's not even like she's new to the game. Like she's been dropping hits now for almost two freaking decades. Yeah, an old man. Uh, She's She's so talented. She's so talented. She's not my number. Beautiful. She's super talented. I love her. Um, But she's not there on that part of the list for me yet. Do you want my number two? Not yet. Okay. I want to know where it'll fall. But um, by the way, I have literally have an Alicia Keys, uh, screensaver on my uh, big so monitor she's gorgeous she man so i love beautiful. alicia keys a talented musician she writes all of her own music plays her instruments god i love her she's so cool much too. like on the voice she's just like a cool chick she's very, very humble just a really cool person actually you know what? i changed my mind too so i had five people in the mix between three and seven or three and eight before that though let, let me get your number two because i'm sure at least one of these are on my mix from three to okay. three to seven or so like who's your number two i carry uh mm. incredibly she, crazy bitch totally crazy bitch uh not super humble at all total diva 
incredible talent. I mean, I'm a, I was born in 1984, so I'm a 90s kid through and through. The hits are just endless with Mariah Carey, dude, and such a huge part of my childhood that anytime I play 90s playlist, man, Mariah is all over it. Uh, and not just the the poppy fun songs, but the slow jams too, and the duets. She's got some killer, some of the best duets out there. I just, I love everything about her. Well, her hits are undeniable. I mean, I and I like some of her, I like some of them. Always be my baby. Uh, oh yeah. I, when you believe, I think she she did that with Whitney too. Honey, Harold, uh, the fantasy, the lots of men, man. Woo. Yeah, she had a ton of hits. I actually have her. Like I said, I had a three to three to seven or eight range a three to eight. I'll say I had her, I, I think five, okay, but anyway, cool. when you get to that three to seven, three to eight range, uh, Janet Jackson has to be on there somewhere. I mean, Janet's my number talk three. About I it. freaking love Janet Jackson. She's yeah, my, she's, one she, of my queens, man. She's my number three as well. I mean, miss you much rhythm nation. There's just some, so many great pleasure principle. I love the way she danced in that video in that big ass garage. Uh, That's the thing. She's some pretty underrated soul songs too. She's the fault. Like, if you had to pick a number one full package, it's Janet Jackson. In my opinion, like she's an entertainer, like her brother, like everyone, a member of her family. Yeah. Uh, the, most of these other women are just, they stand up on stage and sing, right? Like you go to a Janet Jackson show, it's an entertainment show. Plus she can sing on par with all of them. Maybe not on par, but she's right up there vocally with them. Uh, some of her hits, man, just, great beats she's awesome i love everything about yeah her. she's the total package she is legitimately the total like of all these women that we're discussing if you add dance music slow jams choreography or ability to dance she probably actually would be number one if we were to go that route but we actually both have her at number three now i said i have mariah at five who do you have at four uh and number four i have alicia keys yeah okay i'm mad at you but that's all right <laughs> <laughs> I got Beyonce at number four. Um, you know, the hits, she reminds me of Mariah in a way because just she had so many hits. But I I mean, uh, I, I just, I have her one slot ahead of Mariah. I just like her a little bit more. Um, I don't know. This isn't, this isn't about beauty, but she is beautiful. I'm, she's very talented. She's a, a business person. I, I think she's more likable. Not, again, not that that stuff really needs to matter much when you're talking about the best R&B female singers. We're not talking about the best people or the best all around personalities or the, or the total package, but yeah, I, I got Beyonce four. definitely Whitney, Alicia, Janet. And then, yeah, I'm going to go Beyonce at four. Uh, I don't even think like I was the best singer from destiny's child. Whoa, uh, yeah. Kelly. I think Kelly was. Uh, That's a hot take, dude. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and Kelly is hotter too. Um, <laughs> I, I think so. Uh, no, no, you've been drinking, dude. Yeah, no. You've been drinking. No, I don't. I'm not a big Beyonce fan, man. There's, she's got some songs that are fun uh, for sure. She, she doesn't do it for me at all. She's not even in my top ten. Hmm. All right. Well, so <laughs> we went five. I, this is where I would slot Mary Jane. She falls six to me. Um, I have her ahead of Rihanna. And I have her ahead of uh, Tony Braxton, which, by the way, I should have gave a shout out. I love me some Tony Braxton. Mm. She's not as popular and mainstream as the woman that we're talking about. But, bro, she had some awesome. So, Breathe Again is one of my favorite yeah. R&B slow jams. I'll unbreak My Heart. Freaking Love Should Have Brought You Home Last Night. Seven Old Days. It's just 
she was a very, very talented. So I have her in the mix. But yeah, I got I got Mary J. Six, man. She, she's a shit. And by the way, being six don't mean that we don't like her. It's just that we think that there might be five people better. But yeah, so that was kind of the question that I had posed. And I got her falling on six. Is that where you ever two or no? I have her at five, followed by Tony, uh, Sade, and uh, Anita Baker. I think I can still put as a modern because she was still making hits in like the late. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was making shit in the 80s. That's that's my, so was Whitney. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And another, uh, if she, I think if she would have made music longer, I think Aaliyah is right in that group. Yeah. Um, yeah she, she was headed there. Unfortunately was cut short, uh, but she was, I think on pace to be in that kind of six, seven range for me. We both kind of gloss a little bit over Rihanna. I, I got a sense that we kind of think the same thing with her. Like she's good, but she ain't like, she's that. not with these girls. Yeah. Nah, not, I don't think so. not, not even are these women, uh, not even, I don't think it's the same ballpark. I know she's super popular. Dude, maybe I'm just getting old, but today's music sucks. I can't listen to most of it. There's nothing like Especially this. R&B, I know that. R&B, like, I, I love the old stuff, the Motown and all that. I, that, that stuff's great. Love it. But I think the ni- 80s, 90s was like the climax of just sure. amazing R&B left and right everywhere you went. Even some like, just like, no name guys that you don't even really think of much anymore. We're putting out great R and B music. Uh, and now yeah. it's kind of, I mean, there's some good underground R and B every once in a while, or some, some of the old guys that we like the Brian McKnight still put out some stuff every once in a while, but it ain't what it used to be, man. Not even close. No, not even close at all. I mean, yeah, the nineties, absolutely R and B groups, males, female to me anyway. And I'm generally speaking, I'm an eighties guy with music because of pop and cheese music. I love, when it comes to straight up R&B, yeah, the 90s is the best. It's not even close. And by the way, I've gotten to that point now with my kids, and, and I'm sure you will when you get a little bit older and your kids get older and they start getting into whatever is the music that's out there nowadays. I remember thinking in my mind, you know, my dad's so whack. You know, in the 80s, like my dad was telling me my shit was whack and trying to get me to listen to music from 20 years before that, which I did, and I love oldies. But I can already see that now with me. And, you know, your kid's going to get older and listen to whatever the hell it is. And you're going to be that old man on the lawn yelling about, well, I remember when this music was real music with Mariah Carey and this and that. And your kids are going to look at you like, who? Here's the only, so my dad, I was super into hip hop and R&B and what my, my dad did a good job. But then, see, music was so different in the 90s, right? Like you had all the sampling. And so he would show me where the sampling came from because he was big into funk and R&B and some of that more like average white band type stuff. Yeah. And so he would be like, oh, yeah, you like that song? Well, that little da 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 in there is this. And then you'd play me that stuff. So I got an appreciation for some of that, like how rappers were making songs and beats were getting made. So he made it cool. And then he also, he, like I caught him listening to some of my stuff. He didn't like the like Wu Tang. I mean, he came in one time and broke my Wu Tang CD. He didn't like the profanity uh, <laughs> and totally in your face about the hip hop. But he, I think he had an appreciation for where the beats came from. He was like, he thought that was cool and we could find a connection there. I don't know that I'll be the, by the time my kids are into music, who knows what the freak stuff they're going to be listening to by then. Do my, my father, Hated my music, hated 80s music, but loved Prince. Purple oh, Rain was like his favorite album ever. I have no idea why, but he loved Prince. He pretty much hated Michael Jackson and Culture Club, Duran Duran, you name it. Hall and Oates, he hated it. 
Love Prince, though. Just never made any sense to me at all. Never I, got it. I do think Prince universally, like I hang out with some pretty different music crowd people uh, and almost universally, they all love Prince. Like, I think ultimately you just have to respect what an amazing musician the guy is. And it's undeniable how yeah. what an amazing musician he was. <laughs> one last thing, I'm going to let you go here. So earlier we had talked about Ratchet. I forgot to play this clip. Well, one, real, we wanted- next show, we might have to do female R&B groups. Because that got oh, me yeah. thinking about groups. We could do that. Or male. Even just, let's, we can include males too. Because yeah. I think we could have some pretty heated conversation between like, just like Boys and Men and Silk and Jodeci and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh my God. High five. from the, We could go on for quite a Shy. while. With the, yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. We'll, we'll do that for sure. In fact, next time we get together, we'll start to power rank uh, some R&B groups from the 90s. I wanted to play this clip for you from Ratchet. I forgot to do it earlier. Just to set the scene. If you want to know what kind of person she is, like that don't mess with me kind of person. This is a scene. It's just an eight second clip, but long story short here, a nurse at the hospital that they worked at took her peach at lunch. And when nurse ratchet, um, called her out for it, she says, what are you going to do about it? Listen to this clip. And then you'll get the kind of an idea of what I'm talking about when it comes to ratchet, what type of person she can be anyway. Here's that clip. What are you going to do about it? What are you deaf? No. Just thinking of all the things I'm going to do about it. <laughs> I'm just thinking of all the things I'm going to do about it. Crazy ass bitch. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. I'm ready. I'm um, going to watch it. Yeah, for sure. You need to watch it. Speaking of watching Cover One Buffalo podcast after Bill's games with COVID. Who the hell knows? I, I can't even say when you're going to be doing your show now because we don't even know when the Bills are going to be playing. But after the Bills game, check it out. Plus, you have a preview show for the upcoming game as well every week. Aaron Quinn, 716 on Twitter. Bro, this was fun. Something different. Like I said, I want to kind of keep these Friday shows. We'll talk sports, but I want to hit on some other stuff as well. Always fun yeah. to have you on, buddy. Thank you, man. I, anytime you want to go R&B, I consider myself a connoisseur of the subject. So I'm, I'm willing to talk R&B any night you want, man. All right, boys and girls, that is going to do it for another episode. Real quick here, some of you, I'm sure, hopefully anyway, will notice that I've been having a segment the last couple of weeks on Friday episodes where I did Pat's picks, picking all NFL games with the exception of Thursday games against the point spread. I'm not going to do that on the podcast anymore, simply because there's just too many moving parts. I usually tape this on Thursday. As I'm taping this right now, for an example, don't even know if the Buffalo Bills game is going to happen as of mid-afternoon on Thursday anyway. You got a game like, say, the New England Patriots game. Who knows what's going on with Stephon Gilmore? Is Cam Newton back? There's just way too many questions. Too many betting odds go off and on the board a couple times. So what I'll do is just put them on my Twitter, which is at Pamoran Tweets. At some point on Friday, I'll put them up there, keep a running record, which is a shame because, honestly, I've been doing uh, pretty good so far this year. I was 96 last week, 13 games over, 500 through four games but anyway i'll still do that on twitter just not going to do it on the podcast because again just too many moving parts because of covid but anyway thank you very very much to aaron quinn from cover one for doing the pod love having aaron on the show without question one of my favorite guests coming up next week two really good shows next week tuesday i'm gonna have buffalo bills beat reporter matt perino on we'll talk buffalo bills what's going on we'll also spend some time talking about his podcast Shout Buffalo Podcast. He does it with Ryan Talbot. 
And that thing's really taking off. Very good job Matt's doing with that show. So we'll talk to him on Tuesday. Then next Friday, I'm going to have Chris Baker, Sabres prospects on the show. We'll talk all things Buffalo Sabres, recap the draft, some moves that they may have made or may not have made at that point. All kinds of stuff with Chris. So that's next week. Guys, if you have not yet subscribed, please go ahead. Do that right now. Ready to review. All that fun stuff really helps me continue to grow the show. And thank you so much for listening. I say it all the time. I really mean it. So many good shows out there. When you're locked into this one, I don't take that lightly. I do not take it for granted. Very appreciative. Very humble. So thank you. Have a nice, safe weekend. Be back. Brand new show coming up on Tuesday.